Hey, ever wonder what it would be like to start your own food business? How about your own chocolate brand, craft beer, pizza store, or fruit juice company? Every week, we talk to people who have and are making money doing it. Here on MakeMoneyWithFood.com, food entrepreneurs just love to share their success stories with you. So you can do it too. Now, here's the guy who talks to people who make bread with beer, Mark Hayes. Hi, and welcome to another episode of MakeMoneyWithFood.com. I'm your host, Mark Hayes. This is, of course, the podcast for food entrepreneurs. Every week, we speak to food entrepreneurs, owners of food businesses around the world. We interview them. uh, We find out exactly what they're doing, what they've done, what works, what sells, and then we share their success stories with you so you can do it too. In today's podcast, we have the privilege of meeting Veronica and Jordan, the mother and son team behind Soberdough, that's S-O-B-E-R, Soberdough, D-O-U-G-H, which is an artisan maker of handcrafted bread kits in Nashville in Tennessee, capitalizing on Veronica's tradition in the family of baking and Jordan's business inclination, the pair spotted a gap in the market for their beer bread kits. Yeah, that's right, beer bread. It it's, sounds amazing. They decided to take an entrepreneurial leap of faith, create a range of bread kits, and make a business out of them, which is, of course, very, very smart. In less than 18 months, Veronica and Jordan have managed to get their products into over 110 quality retail outlets across 29 states in the U.S., as well as a further three states in Canada. Taking their sales reach a step further, Veronica and Jordan can now reach an unlimited audience via their website, which is of course powered by Shopify, an online e-commerce system used by non-technical people to sell their products online. And if that's uh, anyone like you or me, that's uh, good news. With an upcoming slot on QVC, and of course no shortage of media interest, the next five years of Soberdough look very bright indeed. And we catch up with the pair today to find out exactly what's inspired them to start Soberdough, and of course what advice they can share with you from their journey to date. Enjoy the episode, and I'll speak to you afterwards. On today's podcast, we have the privilege of meeting Veronica and Jordan, a mother and son food business from Nashville, Tennessee. Veronica Jordan, welcome to MakeMoneyWithFood.com. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. Pleasure. So you make money from food and your business is called Soberdough. What does Soberdough produce and how did you come up with the name? Um, You know, Soberdough is a line of artisan beer bread mixes that makes it so easy for anybody, regardless of baking skills, to have homemade bread at their convenience without the need to know how to bake. And we came up with the name Soberdough because I like to say it goes in drunk, comes out sober. Uh, it's a beer <laughs> bread, so the alcohol bakes out. So that's kind of how the, the name came about with sober dough. And yeah. uh, Sorry, I'll just say I love any play on words, so it works out well. Yes, it yeah, is actually. It's a very clever name. Kind of a, a branding um, skill, too, as far as wanting it to be memorable. And just kind of like it gets people to think twice about the, the name, so. And where did you get the idea to make bread kits, which combine bread with beer? Or water, I believe. Um, well, do you want to start with that answer, Jordan, or do we just start off? Right, right. Um, well, no, it's actually uh, it's a Midwestern thing here in the United States. Uh, and my dad is from up there, so we've seen beer bread mixes before. Um, we really enjoy it. My mom is actually a great baker, and she has great recipes. So she, she, was, she kind of experimented in the kitchen and figured out the niche for uh, the recipe, I guess you could say. And then I tried and I loved it. Yeah, and, and at the time that I was kind of creating the idea for the brand, 
and creating the recipes was at the same time that uh, Jordan was expressing an interest in business and wanting to learn business. Um, so it was kind of a good timing because I said, well, I've got this idea for a brand. Um, I think it would do well if you want to help me out. Let's be partners on it. And that was kind of how it started. It, it really was an idea just to make maybe some part-time money we thought on the side, just a little side job. But it's turned into so much more than that. And what market research did you undertake before launching Silverdale? Is anyone else doing what you're doing? Well, you know, we probably broke a rule. We really didn't do any market research. It was just purely a, a um, gut instinct that I had. I, I just knew the – I was taught how to bake growing up, but I know that they have, there's many, many people in, in, in today's generation actually don't really know how to bake anymore. So I just thought, why not? Let's, let's just try this. We, we started out in farmer's markets, I guess, and that was our way of seeing how the bread was going to be received by the market. And when did you start the business exactly? We started, um, let's see, it would be about a year and a half now, actually, to, uh, our, sorry, the end of July 2013. Yeah, we, we actually launched on Kickstarter, and that was really how we started the, the company, was launching it first there, and then after that ended, we officially launched the business. You decided to raise money on Kickstarter, and there are perhaps people listening to the program who don't know what Kickstarter is or even what crowdfunding is. Can you perhaps explain what crowdfunding or Kickstarter is and why you chose it as a means to raise your your seed capital or your initial investment? Yeah, uh, Kickstarter, yes, yeah, crowdfunding website. And what that means is that we go online and we put our project up and then we put our idea, uh, kind of business you want to start. And then you offer rewards based on donations or uh, how much someone pledges. And through that means, you're able to be successfully funded. Um, also on Kickstarter, you have to sort of set a certain goal. And if you raise that money, you get to keep it. If you don't raise that money, then you don't get to keep it. But it's really just it's a great option for anyone trying to start off the ground. And they don't necessarily want to go to an investor or go get a loan from a bank. Um, it's definitely good seed money. And in our case, it was very helpful because we were able to pretty much fund our operations for the first three months. So that really got us off the ground and it, it gave us a, a great chance to get started with Soberdale. Um, also, Kickstarter, it, it also was a way for us to, uh, like you said, uh, what was our market research? I think Kickstarter was our way of seeing what was the interest out there. Uh, based off of how we people responded to our Kickstarter campaign, because most of these people who were pledging or who were backing us didn't even know us or know us, our brand. So in effect, it served two purposes. On the one hand, you were raising uh, capital, but you were also raising interest and profile. Yeah, I think I, I think definitely it, it was a start to our brand awareness, and it was a start to us uh, knowing was this going to be something that would be a legit business. That is true, because uh, how you said that is great. Um, it really did give us a chance to reach out, and people who hadn't or didn't even know about beer bread or product, we would see it off that. We had a lot of people who found it just through the website. Um, if I'm not mistaken, we were we were a hot item, we were a popular one, and so we had a lot of people from all over the U.S. seeing We had different countries, uh, people from other countries that were also pledging as well. Australia seems to like us, so... <laughs> And how do you know? Do you is it through receiving orders, or 
do you keep an eye on your web stats to identify where traffic comes from? Yeah, it was it was based on um, we get the orders and we would also know where the people were living and where we we're sending these at. So yeah, we keep track of all that, and I think we pretty much through our online orders have hit definitely hit every state in the U.S. Plus, um, I want to say about six different countries now. And that's all in the space of what less than two years. Uh, 18 months. That's remarkable. And had you ever started or run a business before, either of you? You know, we have a family of serial entrepreneurs. Um, I Actually, my main career before Soberdale was a graphic designer. And so I had my own design clients, and I've worked for myself for uh, about 15 years. And um, before Soberdale, I had another business that was actually in outerwear. Uh, I have a patent, um, utility patent for uh, a special design that I created for um, compact and outerwear. Uh, unfortunately, that business did not do well, but from that, I learned so much information about retail that it has come into Soberdough and been a very uh, a good plus for us to have that knowledge. Um, and then my husband, he is a builder and he's always owned his own businesses. And I guess, you know, it goes back to my grandfather as well. So yeah, I come from a, a family line of uh, entrepreneurs and working for ourselves. And that's something that I've always wanted to be able to pass on to our kids if they have that desire as well. Yeah, my mom just explained our lineage, but I've always watched them and I was very inspired. And that's where kind of what she said earlier about the idea. So but I wanted to start a business myself. And so she brought me out here waiting out. Yeah. So what's it like working in a business with a family member? Who decides what exactly? <laughs> you want to go this one first? You want me to? Veronica, I understand you're the chief baking officer or CEO. Well, <laughs> I, I'm going to say I think Jordan's answer will probably be different than my answer, but I'll, I'll give you my answer and let's hear his answer after this one. <laughs> I would say it's hard for me as a mom um, and being older and having what I would say more experience in different avenues of life and business to not be so, um, controlling not the word. It's just that I just, I know, I think I know what's best. And so therefore I think my way is the better way. And so I have to learn to make sure that I include Jordan in on the process because there's always many ways to get to the same solution. Um, so I guess that's my challenge because as he will probably say, I play the mom card. So I am learning how to, A, I need to delegate more and, uh, B, uh, give up a little bit of the, the control to allow some other uh, ideas that Jordan has into the picture. She, she already hit the mom card. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I will say, you know, doing this starting off, I, I didn't really know what I would get from it, I guess you could say, like personal growth wise, because with anything you want to grow personally. And one thing I realized I really appreciate is a whole different perspective. You know, I've always been the child and I've always looked up to my parents, but to be able to kind of see how they operate on a day-to-day basis, to see the relationship, to see our relationship, you know, um, I guess grow from that. Uh, I've really, I've learned patience for sure. I've learned how to think of myself as an equal. Um, and I've really just gained a, a, a different kind of respect for my parents and for what they've done. Um, so really, I guess that that would be it. I worked uh, with my parents for a while. Um, my parents at a restaurant. And then subsequently, my parents, my mother and I especially, had a farmer's market business. And I'd have to agree with you, Jordan. The dynamic changes. All of a sudden, you don't see your parents as parents, but you see them as people, as friends. 
And in many respects, from my perspective, it, it brought us closer, in fact. Have you found that as well? Is it, uh, I'm sure you've had ups and downs, but have you found it brought you closer as, as people? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that one, um, for sure. Uh, I, had, I had some issues come up since we've started a business, and I will say that my mom and both my dad have been there. And without my mom, without Soberdo, uh, really, I'm just blessed. You know, I'm just thankful that they were there and that they had my back. It was just a, it's a great foundation. And through this, I've kind of realized more in myself and that I give a lot to my parents because it's interesting how that works. You know, parents tell you you're special when you're growing up, but then to do something, to be a part of something special, to have them there still saying the same thing really just uh, really makes you feel good about yourself. So, yeah, I've, I've definitely I can see myself having having become much closer to both my mom and my dad. Well, I think uh, with with Jordan, if I could input one thing, is that, and I and I was thinking about this last week as as we are growing and and the thought of bringing on people into the staff, is that with Jordan in particular, my goal with him is I want him to leave the experience of Soberdo with so much more knowledge and being prepared for his next season in life that if I can accomplish that, then I am very well pleased with everything because that's the main goal and objective was to train and to equip our kids with talents and with skills that they could take on into their life and further better their life because of it. And I think I want that for anybody who works with Soberdo is that I, I know that anybody who works with us, this is a season in life. Everything always changes. But in this season in life, if I can give them something that they can take on to their next season in life that helps them there, then I will, I will feel really good about that. And let's, let's talk about the business for a moment. Um, how much time do you dedicate to generating demand and how do you generate demand from customers? We have been shocked, um, none to say, is that it seems like from day one when we started Soberdo, we just went off running and it hasn't stopped. Uh, and that's why we say we, we feel so blessed because I was not prepared in how people would receive the bread and really create a buzz that you can't, you can't create, you can't fake it. It's not, it's not something that you can have control over. And so the word of mouth has been just, we've been in awe of it. And that's what's really grown the business. Um, we have been very fortunate with that, that we haven't had to go out and really sell it. It kind of, the people have gravitated towards it. And I think, I think what we underestimated was the emotional connection that people were going to have because they take ownership when they make the bread. And it makes them feel excited and happy and proud. And they Instagram their photos of the bread. And that was the part that we didn't figure into the equation was the emotional connection that people would have with the bread. And, and how does that work? Where did you decide to come up with particular combinations or flavors of, of bread? Well, um, and uh, I'll, I'll just say something. I want to pass over to Jordan because he's got a good answer for this question. But um, it's, it's basically a poor stir bake recipe. You literally just pour a can of beer, or like I said, if you want carbonated water, you can use that. Pour it into the mix, you stir it up, and then you immediately put it into a loaf pan and into the oven. And 45 minutes later, you have some amazing homemade bread. And um, Jordan is the craft beer guy. I, I, I have to say, I, I know. <laughs> Sounds like a yeah, great job, dude. I should call him the beer. Uh, I don't know. We have to figure out a time for him. But um, I don't drink beer because I really don't like beer. Uh, I love to bake with it. So it's kind of funny that I have a beer bread company because I don't like beer. 
Uh, but he is the craft beer guy, so I'm going to throw it over to him for the craft beer answer. That uh, that was one of the perks of starting off the business was being able to get a growler of uh, a local brewery um, of their beer. That was that was always great. But yeah, uh, I guess uh, you know um, the the carbonation in the beer is what helps the bread rise, and then the yeast is what gives it that 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 flavor, that homemade flavor. So it works out really well. Uh, we say carbonated water mainly because you don't want you know, all the sugars and everything else, the soda, to, to interact with the ingredients. But the greatest thing about the beer part is that you can really get ex- you can get really creative. And going back to what she said about people really baking the bread and becoming part of it, uh, when they get to add their own flavors and they get to try their favorite beer, you know, maybe uh, an oatmeal stout or maybe an IPA, it becomes really fun. Uh, personally, I like dark beers. I like Guinness. <laughs> I don't mean to pander. Good I don't answer. Mean to at all. <laughs> I do. I do love dark beers. I love them with sweeter breads. Uh, I like IPAs and APAs with maybe like a rosemary or a lighter bread. So it's great because I've I've seen very experimental beer pairings, and it's fun because you get that subtle flavor afterwards. I guess I like to say it's kind of like a type of suit. You know, it's there. You taste it. You see it. Um, maybe the color of the bread might be even a little darker or a little lighter based on the beer you use. So uh, it, it becomes a lot of fun in that in that aspect because um, just like we created a brand, you know, we created a food that you can become a part of. You can also make it your own. So it's kind of like a unique uniform thing. Uh, I guess it's it's like being being a different part of a whole thing. So it's really cool to see what people come up with and the dishes they make with it too. And has that led to any kinds of potential market pairings where you? recommend a particular brand of beer uh, or is that uh, something you haven't done yet or perhaps it's something you don't want to do at all well we haven't actually um, gone into the market pairings um, we have in the past done a lot of bread demos or bread sampling using um, local breweries that we've partnered with or um, um, you know other places like that uh, but it's something that I think into this in, in our second year is something that we're going to start developing more is uh, partnerships with more craft breweries and even doing some other unique programs uh, with the bread pairing with other beers. So that's something that we're going to be working on a little bit more this year and getting more in depth with. And have you a media coverage plan or some kind of strategy for how you're going to expand interest and maybe traffic to your website? Um, I've come from the advertising world and in, in, uh, you, you know, working with the design aspect of advertising. And I've always been someone who I, I don't really believe in a whole lot of paying for advertising. Um, I prefer to have um, a publicist. If I was to spend my money uh, between paid advertising or a publicist, I would say go with the publicist because in a person, a customer's mind, when a magazine features you, that's kind of like them endorsing you, and that's more believable to a customer that want to try you versus just seeing your ad. So to me, persuasion of, of customers is better on the PR end. So what we did was the, the last five months, we have worked with a publicist who was helping us get into um, different holiday gift guides, and that was how we decided to do, start doing some advertising. And out of that, um, we have... Like this month, we're in Paula Deen's magazine, and then next month, we have one of our breads, which is the Buffalo and Wing Bread. That is going to be featured in um, Good Housekeeping magazine. And then um, earlier this week, we were 
we were um, contacted by uh, Everyday Rachel Ray, her magazine, and it looks like we'll be in their Father's Day guide um, in June for their gift guide for Rachel Ray. So, um, you know, that I just, I think those kind of marketing outreaches is really the best way for brand awareness for everything involved with growing your sales. When we started us off, it was a lot of word of mouth. And I was just thinking about that. That's a good means of word of mouth. Uh, when someone vouches for something, and it allows your business too to grow in a way that's manageable, I guess you could say. It kind of just takes life its own uh, and grows on its own. Well, we, I, I think we've just been shocked. And, and I still, I think every day we, we are um, just thrilled with the growth that has happened just purely. I mean, I mean, I wish we could say we we were responsible for it, but really everybody who has bought our bread and talked about it, they're all the ones who are responsible for the growth that we've experienced this year. And that's why we just feel constantly blessed and just thrilled with how that has happened. Yeah, it's, it's a, you've made a very good point, actually, both of you. The fact that someone takes your product, makes a product of their own, all of a sudden there's an emotional connection to that bread. It's, it's something intrinsic, almost natural, where it, it's food, it's fit for their personal consumption, but their instinct then is to tell everyone about it, which leads then to marketing traffic yeah. and people sharing pictures on Instagram. And, I mean, who's, who's to know that that would happen with your product? Um, I mean, I think with products, especially food products, you don't know what's going to happen until you put it out into the market. Um, we can plan for one thing, but you have to allow a lot of flexibility and, I guess, um, room for your brand to take on the identity that the market wants to give it. Um, but you have to allow some flexibility there because it can go off in, in a way that you never expected. Um, so that's always important in, in understanding your brand is allow it to create its own identity. It's become its own thing. It's kind of like an outline to a story or a rough draft. Uh, you, you put all the you put all the pieces there. And then people grab onto them and take it. I mean, the idea of making food is such a romantic idea anyway. It's very intimate. It's very personal. Uh, and with social media and how everything's changing, being connected. I mean, we're on a Skype conversation, you know, 10 years ago. That wouldn't happen. Um, it really allows it to find another avenue of marketing in its own way where it becomes cool and it becomes the thing that you know about that others don't know. Uh, and that's, that's really helped out, too. In terms of uh, production, where is your production unit, if I may ask? Is it in Nashville? Yes, we do all of our production in Nashville. And actually, we are about to go into our next phase. And that is for the last, the first year, uh, well, actually first year and a half, we have been uh, renting a commercial kitchen and sharing that space with uh, other food entrepreneurs like ourselves. And it's been an amazing creative space. And, but it serves as an incubator for businesses to start out and to grow. And from there, then, if, if your business grows, then you will leave and, and go into your own space. And so that's where we're at right now. We've, we are, we are going to be uh, moving into our own space this next month, which is going to be really, really good for us. And we will open up our spot at the kitchen to another food entrepreneur who is just starting out their business where we were 18 months ago. Um, so our production will change in the next couple of months as we get into our own space and we'll be able to increase our production. I'm just excited about, you know, creating our own environment to live within. Uh, she pretty much hit it on the nail. She hit the nail on the head, uh, with the, uh, incubator. It's been a great, 
great experience, and I'm glad to see that community kitchens do happen because uh, that gave us that gave us definitely a low cost start. But yeah, we're we're basically based out in Nashville, so we will be moving in soon. Yeah, and everything is still um, everything's done, you know, in small batches. It just allows us the ability to increase our time and our ability to make more uh, than we have been in the past. And your speaking of design, you mentioned a few moments ago. Um, I've been looking at your the little food kit bags, the little bread kits. Um, they're absolutely gorgeous. Who designed those, and who came up with this? really down-to-earth looking logo. Yeah, that's, that's, that's me. That's my, like I said, my, my career's been in graphic design up until this point. And because of that, I've been able to establish our own branding and design everything that we do for marketing. Mm-hmm. And that in itself has saved a lot of money because uh, I don't know, you know, I'm sure you know how much designers can be. So, um, yeah, so I created all of our own branding, uh, logo, everything that we do, the website, uh, that comes that comes from uh, from me, and uh, like I said, it saves us a lot of money. You're a team of many talents. Oh yeah, I, I'm a creative. Uh, I've been born with a lot of creative uh, talents, and so I just kind of have to create everything around me. It doesn't matter what it is. I just like to design. If I could, uh, she's pretty amazing. So I'll go ahead and say her 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 graphic her her branding was great. It's great because it, it's, it's very it, with beer bread. It's great because it. Uh, it allows it to become synonymous with, with the idea of it. So the branding itself is really what sells a product a lot of the time. And that's what she's kind of taught me is that you can have a great product, but you also have to have great branding, something that people can latch on to. And so uh, seeing seeing her work is, is really inspiring. Well, one thing um, I, I want to stress to anybody who is listening, who is wanting to start up a food um, product or uh, company is – Branding is one of those things that we sometimes I think when, when you're running on a shoestring budget, you think it's a luxury to actually pay someone to create your identity, your branding for you. But to me, I can stress that it is an essential part of your business is to properly brand your um, product, your packaging, everything that represents that product must be excellent. Um, we have been able to get Soberto into many stores uh, without them even tasting the bread because they love the packaging so much. And so just opening up the doors for new wholesale counts is where a strong brand will reap its rewards and you will find that your business will grow faster with that. Especially when you want to get the product in question onto supermarket Yes, shelves. and everybody, any buyer will tell you they, they want to look at the package first then they taste it. So packaging comes first, then the product. So you have to have a great product. Don't underestimate that. But you must have equally a great packaging as well. So in 18 months, you are selling, as far as I can see from the website, across 29 states, give or take. Uh, plus, I think I counted three in Canada, uh, British Columbia, um, Ontario. And you also said you've got customers overseas. So in terms of getting the product onto supermarket shelves, and I think I counted, counted 105 stores. How did you actually go about getting your product onto retail shelves, and how long did that process take? Um, you know, one of the things that I'll throw out there is um, we first actually didn't go after wholesale. Actually, we got the product on a couple of um, really top-notch online stores. And um, through the visibility online, that actually started the ball rolling with wholesale because they saw us on uh, a couple of online marketing, I mean, online shopping stores. Like the Grummet. 
exactly. The Gromit was one, and then also um, Scout Mob Shop. These were two places that really feature artisan uh, makers. And that started the ball rolling with wholesale. And then it was just kind of a snowball. We really, I, I had to say, we haven't really made a lot of sales calls to stores. Most of the stores that you see in our list were people who contacted us wanting to um, stock the product. And um, so we haven't yet really gone out and gone after wholesales aggressively. This year we will because we want to grow the business more. Um, we'll start aggressively pursuing more wholesale. Whole Foods happen. We are in um, – uh, how many stores are we in, Jordan, on Whole Foods? Oh, Is it 10? We're about 10? 110, right? Yeah, no, Wait, but on Whole Foods. You're talking about Whole Foods. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're yeah, in uh, – Five in Atlanta, two, one in Chattanooga, and two here. So nine. I'm sorry. Six, and one in um and one in North Carolina. So, anyways, there's actually nine or ten Whole Foods, but that carry us right now. And we got into Whole Foods through working with the local liaison right here in Nashville, and we were introduced to them through a farmers market that Whole Foods was having, and that we were uh, able to be a part of. And working. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's a story there. I want I want to tell that one. That one was actually fun. We had, we had just launched on Kickstarter like a week before, and I called down to Whole Foods trying to demo, and they literally had a spot open in the farmer's market, and we were there three hours later. So it was just luck and timing on that one. Yes, it was. Jordan made a call. It was right for Kickstarter, and we actually started off with their farmer's market, not even have our packaging completely. Uh, we didn't have our bags printed, so we were we <laughs> kind of just were. It was really early stages, really early. And through that connection um, and working with the local liaison, we were able to go through the channels of how to get into Whole Foods, and she got us into the system. And from there, then we just started visiting Whole Foods stores in the Atlanta area and places close by bring in the bread, let them taste it, and then they would place orders. And so that's how Whole Foods came about, was just working through. And every, and every Whole Foods has a local liaison. So go to your Whole Foods store and ask for who the local liaison is, and that's who you really want to start working with if you want to get into Whole Foods. And you sell your bread kits via Shopify. Um, that's an online e-commerce platform. What advantages does Shopify present to you as a food business owner? How easy is it to set up your shop and um, that one, I chose Shopify, um, as I was designing the website, I really, I, I get so confused when it comes to computer programming. I'm not a computer programmer. I don't know HTML, any of that language. So Shopify, the reason why I picked it was it was user friendly to someone like me who doesn't understand programming. I could actually go in there and create the website I wanted without having to program it. And that has been huge. Uh, and then the other side to Shopify is there is is all the system behind the the uh, website, the back end stuff with your order systems and your reports. All of that in Shopify helps on the sales where I can track our sales online and know how much we've grown this month compared to last year. If anyone is wanting to integrate customer reviews. It is tremendous. Uh, it's called Yopo. It's Y-O-T-P-O, and I, I believe it's .com. So what it is is that in my Shopify, um, we download this app. It integrates with the website. So when someone orders uh, some bread from us, uh, we have a time, and you can change this in your settings. Uh, we have a time that about two weeks after they receive the bread, they'll get an email. And that email will come from us saying, have you had the bread? What do you think? Uh, if you want to post a review, um, you'll get, uh, they get a 10% uh, 
off coupon that they can use for their next purchase. And if they want to share their review, they get an additional 10% off. And so it gives them an incentive to put a review out there. And what it does, though, is that you start accumulating reviews. And I believe right now we're up over 100 reviews or so. And when someone who's new to the site and just hearing about a bread who's never tried it, they see all these reviews. This goes a long way in converting a viewer to a customer. And I believe every retail store should have reviews out there. And and we don't monitor them and we don't delete off reviews. Every review out there is exactly as, as it's written. And that is the honesty that you want. You want transparency in your website. Um, well, we don't just do farmer's markets. We did also craft shows. Um, did we talk about those yet? I don't think we have. Um, but there's arts and trade shows. That you can find those in a lot of cities apparently because they're popping up. Uh, the arts and craft is definitely hot right now local made things by local people um but we we've we've definitely got a lot of face-to-face through that uh cities in the region uh memphis and atlanta uh huntsville uh we we go to these shows and usually you get a good weekend especially during the fall or the spring and it's really a good time to get to talk to people we've actually met a lot of people through that uh we've had some wholesale accounts come from that just good interaction and just good customer relation is. And it really allows us to, it allows us to taste some breads too. Like if I if if we're sampling a bread that's new, it allows us to kind of see how people respond to any new flavors. I think it's great market research. Um, shows right. are. It's great. It's great too. And I love I love being able to 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 really connect with the uh, consumers in, in these shows because we don't really get much face to face time um, besides pop up little samples that we do. Uh, pop-up sampling and that we don't get much time so um during these arson things we we get to really get to talk and learn who the customer is and what they've done and a lot of people remember us too so we get we get comebacks and we start building a following and we get to know people it's just great storytelling and a lot of this is just all about stories you know uh this year i really want we're entering the growth phase and so we've you know, graduated from the incubator, now we're in the growth phase, and we're really wanting to grow the brand um, a little bit more uh, out of the local region into nationwide. And we actually have been uh, given the opportunity that we will, um, our next step will be launching on QVC, and QVC has picked Soberdo up to, to sell. Wow. So that's going to be our next step is, is selling on QVC. And we'll see how that works. That came about this last fall. And so sometime in March, maybe, we're, we're waiting for our final air date. We'll be able to be on air for six minutes uh, introducing Soberdo to a much larger audience than we've been able to share before. So this is going to be a, a great growth uh, for us. And then um, we've got, I've got some ideas that I want to do. Um, the first year, you know, when you're working uh, as an entrepreneur, you find that your first year, two years, you're doing so much and wearing so many hats. And um, because of that, it's taken me away from what I do best, and that's marketing. And so I've got some great ideas this year that I'm hoping to be able to get back to the marketing side and being really creative with Soberdale so we can integrate Soberdo with other companies and partner with other companies as far as the beer companies and things like that. And then um, this year, one of the things that I'm actually delegating to Jordan to spearhead is giving back and 
we feel comfortable that this is the year that we can start integrating a giving back program into Soberdoe. And that's really important to both Jordan and I that we have that as a part of the company and giving back to people who need help. And so we want our story as well. The philanthropic side is something I've been wanting to do since we started. I've been wanting to, to give back because, I mean, I, to, to take part in your local community is what's very important. Um, sometimes we get, you know, caught up in what's going on in the world and everything else is going out. But to be able to, to give back to the community, like I would love to have employees and we volunteer on a regular basis with either like, you know, a homeless shelter or some other thing. Um, just giving back is what I'm focused on this year. I know Soberdo is going to grow and I want to be a part of that. And I want to focus on sales. I want to focus on publicity. I know this is a great year because we're now going into our second year, which then next year will be our third year. And this is the part where the business just takes off. So I know it's going to grow on its own. We have a great product. We have a great brand. Um, we have great people behind us like the Gromit and we Shopify. That was great. So this year is really just about personal growth for me. I mean, I'm 24 years old. Uh, I'm pretty young. I'm I'm pretty green. So it's really just learning about management and people and uh, really just. What, what did yeah. you learn, Jordan, recently about numbers? So you can share that with him. What's that? What did you recently learn about numbers? That, that statement you told me the other day. Oh, yeah. If you don't. That's right. Thank you for the reminder. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. And that is uh, that is something I saw on a show one time. But either way, it's true. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. And that's something, too, I'm focusing on this year is definitely knowing numbers. And when, um, and when we say numbers, it's just everything that goes into your product, your cost. You must, you must be able to know exactly what goes into your product as far as your cost because everything. that's where bleeding happens and you don't make the money because you don't know your costs and you don't know yeah. your numbers. Definitely knowing your demographics, knowing your numbers, that's very important. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. That's hugely exciting. I had no idea you were at that level with QVC and, and getting the, the attention of some seriously big names in the media world. Yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, man. I'm I really am. I don't know. I I, I guess we haven't gotten gotten so excited about it yet because we've been busy. We just we just came off the holiday season, and I. It's a blur. That's all I can say. I don't remember it too much. All I know, it was a blur of trying to get mixes made and trying to get them shipped out. That's all I remember. And so we haven't had a chance to to focus on um, getting ready for QVC and getting excited. So this is the month and next month we'll be focusing on how can we maximize the opportunity that we have with QVC because you get one shot. And if if you do well, they're going to call you back. If you don't hit the numbers that they project for you to hit, then that was your shot. You got it. So we really need to concentrate on maximizing and really making this one shot become many more opportunities to go back on QVC. When we were kids, we dreamt up things that were beyond us. You know what I mean? Um, we, we, we went on adventures and we had no cares. And I like to think back on that sometimes when I think about doing things that are big. Only because I realized the only thing holding me back in life is my own imagination. Uh, we create what we want. We see what we want. We feel what we want. Um, so if you got an idea, just make it what you want it to be and go for it. I mean, what's that saying? If you shoot for the stars, you mean you might fall among the moon. So anything is something. Really, it's just growing. So I just like to tell people to know that they are in control of themselves and their own destiny. And if you can dream it, you can do it. So 
that's what I would that's what I would say. Well, that's, I mean, that's that's a lot of it too. Is is just um, when you work for yourself, Jordan said you control your destiny, and that's that is so true. Um, you know, do it. Uh, when Jordan came to me and said he wanted to learn business, I said you can't learn it; you just have to do it. So that's the biggest thing is just do it. Um, you can only study so much. You can only research so much. Eventually, you're going to have to just do it. And that's the biggest thing. And one thing I would really um, encourage anyone who's looking at getting into a food product business or any business in general is to sit down and really research your costs. Your Let me go back to the numbers thing. Really know um, where's the best place to get the prices for your ingredients. Um, find out ways that you can really reduce your costs and look at proper pricing. Um, that is a big thing is, is to properly price from the beginning uh, so you can accommodate wholesale. You can accommodate uh, if you ever had a sales rep. Um, don't undervalue your product. That is a big thing that creative people do and I, I used to do it a lot is I used to undervalue uh, my product and never undervalue your product. It, 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 is a, it, it is a valuable product and if you respect it and you value it, then everybody else would do the same to it. So that's really important. And then the last thing I would say is, again, focus on your brand. Create an identity for your brand because that's going to come back to really reap dividends for you. You go on Instagram and you hashtag Soberdo. It's really fun to do that because you'll see uh, lots and lots and lots of pictures that people have taken of the bread and they're and they're you know showcasing their bread. And so that's that's a great little fun community. A little fun play on Breaking Bad is the Breaking Bread community, so it's always great. So yeah, hashtag yeah. Soberdo. <laughs> yep, the Breaking break yeah, Bread community. I think I saw a picture on your website of Jordan wearing a face mask. <laughs> you saw that? The yeah, TV that was, <laughs> it is so funny because uh, this is real. This is a real funny moment. Uh, we have so many bags of white powder. It's just like this would be a great. I mean, hypothetically speaking, if this was a drug operation, it'd be a great one. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Oh, and then we also have one of the places, um, we have a dough line uh, that, you know, if anyone's baking our bread and they have a question about anything, they can text us and we immediately will text back and give them anything they need to know about the bread. So that's been very useful for people. We, we also have uh, great jokes if anyone needs a smile. So there you go, too. Hey, thank you for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you very much. Very special thanks to today's guests, Veronica and Jordan from Soberdo in Nashville and Tennessee for coming on the program and for their kindness in giving us food producers an insight into their entrepreneurial story and achievements to date. I'm especially impressed with all they've achieved in less than 18 months. Thanks especially to you for listening to today's podcast here on MakeMoneyWithFood.com, the home of the food entrepreneur. We have another episode cooking over my shoulder right now in the podcast kitchen. And that'll be online in the next week. The episode today was recorded in January 2015. As I often ask at the end of the program, we would love to help you. And if there's anything that we can help you with, perhaps interviewing a particular business or someone in a particular area you'd love to know more about, that's not a problem. We have lots of contacts in the food industry. We can, of course, reach out to them and perhaps discuss an aspect of food business or regulation or hygiene or entrepreneurship or marketing. In fact, the list is endless. So if there's anything at all that comes to mind, we'd love to hear from you. You can, of course, fill out the contact form on the website 
on makemoneywithfood.com or you can, of course, leave comments on our Facebook page and that link is on our website as well. Or you can even tweet us via Twitter. Naturally, there's also a contact form, um, or at least a comments form, I should say, at the bottom of each podcast episode on makemoneywithfood.com. When we're not podcasting, we are writing articles, but we do appreciate feedback. If there are things that we're not writing about or things you'd love to write us to write more about, then, then please get in touch, and we'd love to help. Thanks again, and speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's podcast here on makemoneywithfood.com, home of the food entrepreneur. You know, we could sure do with your help. If you like the show, why not leave us a sweet little rating on iTunes, an awesome like on Facebook, or best of all, subscribe to our incredible email list today so we can keep sending amazing food entrepreneur stories, tips, and information your way. Okay, enough of the hard sell. <laughs> Visit www.makemoneywithfood.com right now. See you next time.